Hello, and welcome back to Future Prairie Radio, where marginalized artists explore the future through the lens of the arts, humanities, and culture. I'm your host, Joni Whitworth, and this is Season 3, Episode 11, Tracing This Story with Amira Sahir. That's where it all started. He asked me a question, and oh boy. I found out from talking to family members that we have a narrative. They were fighting us, African-Americans, not understanding that um, gentrification is housing or the lack of. It's hard to communicate unless you make some kind of connection. Today we're going to hear from painter Amira Sahir. She's recently created a series of paintings called Uninhabitable Living Conditions. The pieces in the work connect historical images of slave ships and sharecropping with modern-day transitional housing. She uses her own personal experience with low-income housing for African-Americans living in crumbling neighborhoods. Her paintings represent displacement in the Black community as well as housing insecurity for Black Portlanders. The project was funded by RAC, or the Regional Arts and Culture Council, in Portland, Oregon. Please know that this interview contains descriptions of racial and gendered violence. Here's Amira. My name is Amira Sahir. I recently turned 74. I'm an African-American woman, uh, highly educated, gentrified to Southeast Portland. Been here 16 years. I'm an artist, but I'm also a business owner. And I've been running a registered in-home childcare business and capturing stories and art because I wanted to create learning environments because I don't like the curriculum that's being used in the Portland public schools. So now that I'm an auntie with nieces and nephews, I don't want them to have the same um, miseducated experience that I did, which I think has something to do with what's behind my art, and that's self-esteem. And so most of what I do is centered around that. So I have copyrighted uh, characters that I'm in the process of working on now. And so in my adventure, I guess I was trying to find who I was by going into ancestry. And that's where the idea came up for the show that Rack, thank God, and I thank you, funded called Uninhabitable Living Conditions. So I'm kind of multi-purpose and multi-tasking. So I have current work. But I also have a history because I've been doing this um, 30, 40 years. So I actually went to an all-girls high school, grew up in southwest Portland. And at that time, there weren't all of nine of us. There, you know, I'm number two. So my family, when I went to college, they moved to northeast Portland. So I didn't grow up in northeast Portland. I would visit. And after I was at Portland State, I lived in student housing. And I would 
my younger sister said I would come home on my birthdays. <laughs> but anyway, I lived in Goose Hollow as an adult. That's where I was. And then um, my dad um, got sick and asked me to come home. So I was working on two masters that worked toward a PhD. And I, I had to just declare one of the masters because um, I had to leave and I didn't understand. I thought, ah, oh, he'd be sick a couple of weeks. Well, it wound up being 10 years. And so he told me everything. I am so full of the history between him and the 92 year old. I have so much more to give. Yeah, so I started painting. Um, but I've always done this since kindergarten and I've always captured uh, stories and ideas I found out from talking to family members that we have a narrative that has been circulating within our family at the family reunions. And so I took that information, the story, and I modeled the exhibit after the milestones that the narrator had left for us. I took our family and I put it into history. And then I started creating the story of the migration and being an activist working on houseless issues after our family was gentrified uh, it became serious because i like i said i'm from a large family so i saw family members um becoming homeless and i said oh no and then when i lost my sister one of them who was living in transitional housing it became personal and then when my mother i thought about it wait a minute there's a there is a connection to use your word there's a connection here so i i went backwards instead of going forwards and i traced through that story and i looked at the housing it started in africa and, and that was mind-blowing because that was part of the story and so those are pieces that you'll see in the exhibit so i did some pictures of housing and I'm speaking to one of the pieces, in fact, the one you asked about, which is the ship. And the ship's name is Minerva. And so in the family history story, the woman who was captured and enslaved and brought here from Africa, well, her name was Minerva, Minerva Jane. But in my research, I learned, and I went, it took me months, but I traced it back. Um, that was the name of the slave ship. So that's where the story began. I used to work for the Urban League of Portland for 10 years and taught in an alternative school. So I've done a lot of research. And so I'm like, I have interviews and stuff from parents who are dead. So I have the stories. And then I had the narrative. And so what I didn't know was because our information is oral. And I was first generation to go to college. So here I am alone trying to put this together from people who, you know, weren't um, educated in the language like I was. So I had to figure it out. And there are two that are still alive. One's 92, she'll be 93. And one that is 85, I interviewed them. One lives in Chicago and one's still here. And so I pieced it together with the story and I have so much more to add to it but the ship the boy i watched it was funny because his mother is an essential worker she's a nurse and so him he's european-american i'm not
but uh, he's he has the autism the on the high scale and it, it's just an amazing amazing experience so he she brought him to the show he saw and I watched when he appeared he went straight to the ship and I thought now that's interesting he said, I like, I like the boat, <laughs> knowing the history. That's why I was laughing. I was thinking about my little guy. Future Perry is sponsored by the Oregon Community Foundation, dedicated to improving the lives of all Oregonians through the power of philanthropy. We thank them for their financial support and leadership as we co-create the future of a healthy, thriving, sustainable Oregon. You asked about the ship, and the ship really um, was the second housing for Minerva Jane. She was, like I said, kidnapped, and she told us um, in our family history story, she was sold four times. So, so, so I, I have the narrative. I found the ship. I literally went back into, I went all the way back to ancient history. But I found information about slave ships, ships that they used to transport slaves. So it looks kind of funny, meaning ships that were made during that time. At that time in history, everything was different. The technology and the, I mean, it's kind of like buying a car in the 40s and buying a car in the 20s. The ships, but, but there's a lot that's um, preserved where you can actually find photographs. So I paid for photographs. That's what I did. And when I found a ship called Minerva, um, the ship had been um, refurbished. A lot has been hidden and covered up. And I can understand why now, but I just put the information together and I used photograph of a ship during that time called Minerva. But there's the um, part that's never talked about that I discovered. When the slaves um, were captured, stolen or whatever, they went through um, housing underneath in a dungeon, a church, a church. So people who were non-white and people who were black, brown, whatever you want to call them, they're all complicit. <laughs> so that's what's really weird about being an African-American. You find out that there were Africans, um, some who sold, um, uh, tracked down. So I don't know that part. I don't know how she was um, kidnapped because, I mean, it could have been a villages raided. I mean, there's lots of stories about, uh, and books have been written about how different people were captured. And I can only um, validate where our story picks up. But she and they were housed and they were, oh my God, um, this is where the what they call the breaking. And what I mean is there's a part before we've all heard about the middle passage. Well, that's the second part. That's housing on the ship. But there was the part about, and it could have been a year or two where they were actually breaking people. They were impregnating women and uh, most were killed there. And um, it, it's just really horrible because people... Europeans actually, I'm talking about people who were slave owners, and I'm, I'm not talking about people like us who 
aren't landowners. They actually ordered what they wanted. And so they had like these captains of these ships. And um, a lot of the slaves were um, raped and mutilated um, by them. And so there's like a horrible part before, but then there's an even more horrible part before that, which is housed in Africa. So when my exhibit starts, it starts in Africa. In fact, my narrative says um, it began in Africa. Stick with the narrative, the story, and use what she said. She left, um, in, within the story, she talks about arriving in Virginia. She said she was uh, put on the auction block. And when I discovered information about auction blocks, I actually, there's two paintings within the um, exhibit of auction blocks. And when I did this, um, each piece, I went historically and found out about it, but I also went into art to find out how to paint <laughs> a, a, a rock, you know, that kind of, kind of stuff. And it, it, it's really interesting because... Um, you have to double think. You, you can't be thinking of a rock in this time because they were stones and they looked um, a lot different because the Jamestown, Virginia was not built up like it is now. So, uh, and then we only see things like recently, um, things that are being uncovered, um, slaves were sold here, that kind of thing, you know, Wall Street. This used to be that. So it's like um, um, not the same. So I actually found some um, information and I strategically recre <clears throat> recreated um, the um, stepping stones that she left because part of her narrative says certain things in case my family tries to find me. And that stayed with me. And that was the catalyst for me to go ahead and stop what I was doing, which is working with my characters, and that's art for children. Uh, and I said, whoa, wait, whoa, 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 this is something um, I need to do because I found it, I found her. So I was looking for her. So the, um, yeah, so there's a story, um, housing, I think I put it in three categories, within Africa, well, on the slave ship, in colonial America, up to um, the migration that took me up to my parents and how they left the South, into my time, which is affordable housing. <laughs> and that's the connection. I went, because when they came here, I was actually three months old in Vanport. So there's that whole story. And so there's some two pieces. Um, there's the Vanport housing, and then there's the housing flooded. So those two side by side take you into a whole nother um, era that I, even though I was three months old, I have memories, but uh, I was only three months old. And then affordable housing, um, as a student at Portland State, my housing was different from um, family members, like I said, I was first generation to go to college. So here I am in a private college at Pacific University in Forest Grove in brand new housing. Um, just young, dumb, you know, tw early 20s, we didn't know 
anything about all of this. And so um, they killed Martin Luther King Jr. while I was at Pacific University in Forest Grove. So my dad said, come home, come home. So To be honest with you, when I was in art school, I fell in love with oil. I'm an oil painter and I love to do abstract. So I always do some of that. But as a folk artist, I discovered acrylic and I lost my mind because it dries quickly. And so using acrylic paints, you know, there's all kinds, but I could never afford to use the best. And I said to myself, I challenged myself, if I'm good, then I should be using the good stuff. And so when Rat gave me that money, they said, what do you want? I said, all I want to do is to be able to use some golden paint. And that's what I was able to do. And the, uh, there's nothing like it. You can, I, I use brushes, but I also use the knife. And, um, you can project with it you can you can get different effects and it's the the vibrancy it's it's the it's color i'm in love with color and um when you put it on there even if you just base coat it's just like bam it's staring at you so 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 i guess it was it affirms me because now i'm confident yeah. in saying i am good it also helped with my healing and i just love it I'm right across the street from Marysville Elementary School. And so uh -huh. um, I volunteered with the Smart Reading Program and I also volunteered with the second grade class over there. What I discovered, there were some that couldn't read. We're talking second graders, first and second graders. And spending time through the Smart Program and volunteering with the second graders, I looked for the little ones' um, problems. I listened to them, and I talked to Southeast Uplift about it, and they said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, <clears throat> I want to help them. <clears throat> so the principal at Marysville School, a second-grade teacher and I, we came up with um, an idea. So I'm creating with a graphic um, design company called um, Dragonfly Tech. We're creating flashcards and a, a coloring book using my characters to um, teach them the alphabet and the letter sounds. So I'm looking, I'm, I'm redrawing art that I created in 1992. Can you believe it? And I'm personifying them and, and they're ethnic characters. And the whole concept behind self-esteem is behind my work. So they're role models. For me, the connection is, and now I'm fast forwarding to me, um, it's hard to communicate unless you make some kind of connection. There were some of us, I'm talking about African-Americans that are still alive, that were born. Uh, we couldn't communicate because after slavery, there was so much that they wouldn't tell us. So we just run around here miseducated and don't know and no one would say anything then running into racism and discrimination and all that so 
being born in during segregation this is where i'm going this is how i'm connecting and communi communicating with someone who's born during that time of segregation that was their experience my experience in, being in the 40s was integration but have a make that connection with that 90 something year old all of a sudden um she's and i she's saying well you can tell me about what's happening now and i can tell you about what's what what happened then and it was just a thing of beauty to be able to make that synapse you know but i have um the slave woman story in me to tell and to show and i really don't think that i'm minerva jane but i'm carrying out <clears throat> that her message and so i've done a couple of pieces but i'm doing something um around the concept of, of black babies um, the infant mortality in connection with i call her my millennial niece She's a doula and she's an artist and she has a two-year-old. And so I'm, um, I'm going that way, but I'm contained. I'm, I'm, um, I'm self-educating myself, um, but I have so much to give. So the art um, is the best way to do it because people, um, there's some people that if you listen to people, you'll, you can, it's interesting, you'll hear people say, I hear you, so you can you can tell how they perceive information, and then you'll hear people who sound like me say, "Well, I see, I see what you mean." So it's just being present. And what I'd like to do personally, and I started on it, is mindfulness because Marysville is a mindful um, school. I want to be where I am, and I'm looking forward to meeting other artists and. Um, yeah, developing the art um, and, and being selfish instead of um, always doing something for other people. I deserve um, what I'm experiencing right now. It feels good. If you'd like to check out Amira's work, please visit her website at amirasahirethnicart.com. That's A-M-E-E-R-A-S-A-A-H-I-R. E-T-H-N-I-C-A-R-T dot com. This episode was written and produced by me, Joni Whitworth, and edited by Matt Larimer. If you have any questions or feedback about the show, please feel free to reach out at futureprairie.com or on social media at futureprairie.